From Mountain Home to Raft River, we've got all the District 4 analysis you'll need to know. This is the Magic Valley PrepCast with Scott Burton. That's right. It's time for another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health. Brandon Bainey joined as always by... Not just Scott Burton today, but uh, the Burton Bunch. What's yeah. going on, Scott? Golly. Uh, you know what? We Behind the scenes is a heck of a lot more interesting than probably what we're going to talk about here. So over my right shoulder, or well, yeah, this shoulder here, you see me do this once in a while, you know I've got action going on here with two little girls and a cat. New new cat introduces to the newest member of the family, Scott. All right, let me see this bad boy. Okay. It is a black cat named Luna. Luna. Shadows. Shadows the middle name. No, Shadows last. I don't even know what's going on right now. I just know that I have two little girls that wanted a cat. (laughs) And I'm the dad, and I got I got a freaking cat. So. And now, and now it's scratching holes in both of them. So this has been a really wonderful time, Brandon. Yeah, well, I I know uh, I know your your girls were fighting over who would get to hold the cat, and be careful what you wish for because cats can scratch sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you're dang right. So if you know if something's going on over here, I'll try to, my best to ignore it. If I see blood, then. sounds good luna shadow burton the newest uh member of the family so dear okay all right well let's talk about you know cats really don't like water so let's go ahead and just switch over to the okay you know what i your your segues are top notch and you do this every week and i i i slightly comment about it just kind of discreetly Dude, your segues are right on. I, I feel like it's becoming a challenge for you, Scott, where you're going to just say something ridiculous just to see how I can pivot <laughs> pivot out of it, right? Well, you know what? Now that the gauntlet's been thrown, you, you betcha. <laughs> this will be a lot of fun. Friendly <laughs> reminder before we transition to the pool in state swimming, uh, you can get this pro- podcast a couple of ways. You can get it audio only at idahosports.com or wherever you download your podcasts. If you want to see the cat and really who wouldn't, <laughs> then you want to watch the video on the idahosports.com youtube channel as well as our facebook page okay state swimming took place last week in the boise valley uh there's only two classifications scott 5a and 4a so if you're a 2a 3a 1a school too bad you're competing at the 4a level and that is the way swimming works i mean there is not a water wings division there's not a, a three-man division eight man it you are 5a 4a period and so you get a lot of co-ops going on uh, at that 5A, 4A rank just so these other kids can be part of a team. So, but yeah, that's the way it works. So everything we're going to talk about in the Magic Valley, of course, is going to happen at the 4A level. And I think what really stood out to me as I looked at, you know, we didn't have any teams bring home titles from District 4, but uh, Lighthouse Christian on the girls' side did take third place, which for a 1A school and every other sport is pretty impressive that they competed against bigger schools in 4A and took third. Yeah, no, I mean, it's good showing by Lighthouse. I mean, they've got some really good swimmers over there. And, uh, you know, on the girls' side of things, uh, uh, boy, I had a couple of them marked down here that uh, kind of caught my eye. And, and um, man, wouldn't you know, I don't have it in front of me. Well, I, I know uh, the, the the signature win for for the Lighthouse Girls was uh, Asia Thompson. She won the the one hundred yard freestyle and brought home the state title there, and that was a big reason why Lighthouse. And and then they filled in a lot of seconds and thirds and 
and things like that to pile up the points. They had 138 points total. Bishop Kelly ran away with the thing on the girls' side, 224.5. But Yeah, Bishop Kelly is swimming powerhouse. I mean, especially on the girls' side. They've been that way for quite some time. And yeah. they flex their muscle once again this year on both sides. And the uh, excellence in, in girls athletics at Twin Falls High School also continued as Julia Miller won the state title in the 200-yard freestyle event as well, representing the Bruins. So, Yeah, you know, good for them. I mean, Twin on the girls' side of things are, are really doing well. I mean, they didn't uh, come home with a team trophy and all that kind of stuff on the swim side of things, but they are putting some athletes in positions to individually medal. And, you know, when you think about that, You've got twins volleyball team state title or state winners. You've got their soccer team state winners. Uh, you've got some swimmers that are doing really well. Those are not the same girls, you know. And so when you talk about sometimes dominance of a year in girls sports, yeah, it might be volleyball to basketball to track. And a lot of those are the same girls. But to have that kind of success in one season, those aren't the same people. And, and that's something to keep in mind, too. And that tells you how good of, of a girls athletic class they've got going right now through twin. Yeah. I've said it a couple of times on the podcast, Scott, I can't wait for girls basketball season, which actually starts this week for some schools uh, because you're taking a blend of those soccer players, those volleyball players, and you're combining them onto the basketball court. Yeah. For twin. Well, yeah. And, and, and not to, not to mention their cross country team is legit. Right. As well. So, I mean, you look at that fall sports for the twin girls across the board. Holy cow. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. And now you're going to combine them, like you said, into one winter sport. And here's basketball. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, on the boys' side at State Swimming, really the, the, the one noteworthy story I saw from the Magic Valley was Jackson Rasmussen from Burley. He won the 50-yard freestyle, but in the prelims, he finished second to Hayden Levitt of Sandpoint. And in that preliminary run of, of the 50-yard free, Hayden Levitt from Sandpoint actually set a new state record, a, a time of 48-42 in the prelims. But when it came to the finals, Levitt only swam a 49-18. Rasmussen swam a 48-61. So you've got this kid from Sandpoint, Hayden Levitt. Congrats, you're a state champ. But on the downside, or, or you've got a new state record, but on the downside, you're, you're not a state champ. Yeah. Is, I mean, isn't that the funny how that works in, in uh, track and swimming and those kind of things that, you know, maybe uh, spend a little bit too much gas in the tank in the prelims? Who knows? But boy, I, yeah, that's a short lived celebration. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, kind of a bummer. So congratulations to Jackson Rasmussen from uh, Burley for uh, winning the 50 yard free after taking second in the prelims. So. Yeah. You know, and that's pretty cool. I mean, those swimmers are in great shape and, and I don't know if you're a swimmer, Brandon, but uh, you know, for me, it's more or less just keeping from drowning and to see what these guys can do up and down the length of that pool. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's, it's pretty impressive to me. Yeah. I can, I can swim uh, like I swim recreationally and like if I needed to survive in the ocean, you know, I'd last a couple <laughs> hours, but I'd do nothing like what these kids are doing. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to football where we, we had a lot of interesting results. Uh, you know, at this point, we've just got three, a two, a one, a team still competing from the Magic Valley. 
Um, and let's start with the game that you were at this past Friday. Again, if you are uh, watching along on, on the YouTube channel or the Facebook page, you're going to see we're going to put the brackets up on the screen so you can kind of follow along that way. If you're listening to the audio-only version of the podcast, you can still look at the brackets on our homepage, idahosports.com. Or at this point, you know, we're, we're down to just two matchups in each classification. It's easy to close your eyes and just picture how that bracket looks as well. So however you want to do it. 3A quarterfinals. We had Gooding hosting Timberlake. This was actually a pretty close game, 28-21. The Senators end up winning. Scott, what did you see from this game? Well, I tell you what, we saw a Timberlake team with a very good game plan, and uh, they came in defensively and shut down the pass and picked off some passes early in the first half. And the thing about Timberlake is they have a couple of players on the outside that just had way too much speed for Gooding. And they kept getting behind the Gooding secondary. And I was talking to Coach Cameron Anderson uh, immediately after the game. And he's like, holy crap, they were fast. And we're not used to that. And, you know, and that's coming from playing Kimberly and and the tracksters they've got at Kimberly. Uh, Yeah, this team was super, super fast. And they caused some problems, you know, for Gooding. But, uh, you know, down the stretch, too, Timberlake had a chance. They had a chance. They were in the red zone with a minute to go trailing by seven and just turned it over on downs. Couldn't get it done. Yeah. Timberlake likes to run that kind of that wing T attack. So I I figured the game had a chance to be low scoring only because both teams like to run the ball and maybe the number of possessions was going to be fewer for both sides. Is that how that played out? Yeah, it really did. I mean, it was really controlled on the ground. I mean, Gooding never threw the football much at all. I mean, you want to talk about what they did. Um, it was, it was a physical game and Gooding did not even attempt to pass in the second half. That tells you, you know, to your point a little bit about the ground and pound, but it was, you know, their offensive line was playing really, really well. And they had three guys. Gooding did rush for over a hundred yards. Uh, Atkinson, Colston and Tate, they all carried the ball and Curtis carried Atkinson carried it 35 times for 224 yards. And if you've not watched Gooding play, they put a linebacker at quarterback basically and they snap him the ball and anything second and short, third and short, fourth and short. I mean, he just gets ahead of steam out of that shotgun and nobody can stop him. And so he racked up 224 yards, very physical guy. I mean, he's not a, a, a prolific passer, but it does help when you've got a, a six foot plus guy on the outside or playing, you know, uh, Loveland. But, you know, they didn't utilize him very much. And this was a game where they just didn't need to. They utilized Colston Loveland more of a, a running back than anything else. And uh, as for Gooding, you know, they're going to live and die on the line. In the trenches, that's where they're at. And they rotated six guys all night long through that line. And uh, they just stepped up, you know, to the, you know, to the call. Um, a couple of things really quick. Uh we talked about Curtis Atkinson carrying it 35 times. Well, you know, Timberlake was one of those teams that they knew that if they wanted to hang with Gooding, they needed some turnovers. And so every time their running backs were coming through the line, I mean, they were just getting hammered. They they were just trying to punch that ball out. And now you've got Atkinson who's carried it 35 times, just getting beat up every time he he carries that ball. Um, he said, you know, Saturday when he woke up that his arms and hands were as sore as they have ever been. 
because they were just pounding on him trying to get that ball out and he never gave it up. And so he iced all day long and they were swollen and it was, I mean, it was just ugly on Saturday, but I mean, he's, he's back to hundred percent. Um, but that's just kind of that physical game, uh, that Gooding needed to have because the knock on Gooding is, are they battle tested heading into the playoffs? And, and if this didn't do it, I tell you what, they're match up this Friday. Definitely will. Yeah, we'll get to the final four in just a second. So, yeah, Atkinson, 143 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Tate Gillette, 129 yards and two touchdowns. So, you know, people that don't know the Gooding team look from a distance and go, oh, yeah, they got the Loveland kid that's going to Michigan. He's a tight end. I bet they sling it around the yard. They really don't, right? They, they like to run the football. And Adkinson is really the guy who the offense flows through. I mean, he's the guy that's the defending SCIC player of the year, right? It's not Colston Loveland. It's Curtis Adkinson. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And, and this is the second time that I've covered Gooding this year. And both times, Loveland's not a factor in the passing game. You know, and so it and, and this is not to be said to knock anything that's going on with him. But if you didn't know any better and you didn't know his body of work and all the things that he's been able to accomplish and you just base what you know and the Michigan thing on these two games, you're like, how in the world did this kid get the attention of all of these schools? Because he wasn't even featured in these games. Well, you know, perhaps that speaks to the strength of the rest of that Gooding football team. They don't need him every game. Bingo. I think he's kind of the trump card. They, it's it's a it's a it's a, a card in the deck that they can pull out, but they don't have to use it, which is a nice luxury to have for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about it. This final four. This is this is what we wanted. The top four teams, Homedale playing Sugar Salem, uh, one versus four, and then the two versus three. Gooding will host third seeded Weezer Friday night in Gooding. Now, you want to talk about teams that have been kind of chastised for playing a soft schedule. Weezer has not really been battle-tested. They had the one big matchup with Homedale, but besides that, it's been a very light schedule in terms of competition. So this is going to be an interesting matchup. Yeah, it will. I mean, you look at both of these these teams. They're both powerhouses in 3A, and they're both kind of coming out of similar conferences that really didn't test them very much. You know, Homedale, the perfect 10-0 record. Uh, they beat Weezer 14 to six, and, uh, that was really the only game that was close for them. But so if you take Weezer and Homedale, the two teams out of that conference, the next best team in there is Fruitland at four and four, you know, so throughout that conference, it's just going to be Weezer and Homedale. And they only played once, right? Well, Gooding is pretty much the same way. I mean, you, the strength of schedule of Gooding is, is really going to get some, but some people think it. You know, Gooding is a good football team. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not trying to knock or find a weakness on them. They are really, really good. But if you wanted to make an argument, it's, okay, well, who in their conference tested them? Filer was the second-best team with a record of 6-3, and three, and they kind of came out of nowhere, so they're not like this perennial powerhouse. You know, and so you, you look at both Homedale and Gooding, the one and two, going, okay, well, are you tested enough to make it through the semifinals and into the finals? And I think that has been the talk that I've heard in the circles of broadcasters and things like that. Um, they're all saying the same thing. So it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, it's really interesting. I would argue that uh, Gooding's maybe toughest opponent in terms of giving them a good look might have might have been Declo, a 2A program. 
right? Decla was a really good team, or possibly Marsh Valley, right? Marsh Valley was also a really good three A team, but uh, yeah, they were. I mean, if you don't want to take, you know, if you don't take Timberlake from last week, right? Then those two absolutely did as well as anybody else did. But you know, normally in that conference, it's Gooding and Kimberly just beating each other up. But Kimberly just had a horrible year, uh, rash of injuries, and and just couldn't get any stops early on and it just never helped Gooding get any better because you are a lot of times pushed by the competition that's in your conference. Yeah. So again, it's Weezer at Gooding Friday night, seven o'clock. Uh, we will have video coverage of this game on idahosports.com. Very excited to be able to bring the video uh, broadcast of that to you. Yeah. Again, I think it's going to be size versus uh, speed a little bit. Weezer's got some good linemen, not as big as Gooding. They've got Willie Schertz, who's a great running back, and they're they're kind of like a Kimberly, right? They've got Brett Spencer, a quarterback who's gotten an offer from the University of Idaho, and his brother Brock Spencer is out at receiver. You know, Brock Spencer took the opening kickoff back for a touchdown last week in Weezer's win over Snake River. So it's kind of their speed versus Gooding's size. We'll see what wins out. Yeah, you know, in the scouting report from from out of the Gooding coaching staff is their quarterback reminds them a lot of Shane Jennings that played at Gooding a few years ago. I mean, he's he's that dynamic. And, you know, and they said up front, they are as good as they have seen. So, I mean, you talk about a, a, just a dogfight coming Friday. Uh, I've got the call for that one at Gooding. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's going to be a good game for sure. Okay, we mentioned Declo. Their season came to an end as we look at the 2A bracket. They lost to Firth in, in a pretty wild game Friday night in Holt Arena, actually 20-16. to 16. This is the game that I was at, Scott. So for Declo, they, they were the better team for 95% of the game, but it was just that final 5% in the last, you know, four yep. minutes of the fourth quarter that ended up costing them. A late touchdown, one that Declo again let get away from them. I mean, when they had a 16-13 lead with over a minute left yeah. um, on a field goal. And uh, then all of a sudden, no timeouts remaining. You know, first quarterback takes them right down the field. And uh, on a, what, was it a fourth down, a fourth and long? Yes. Uh, from about the 20-yard line, lofted a pass into the end zone. Boom, Declo's done. It's like, oh, my God. Goodness, what a heartbreaking loss uh, for Declo. Declo uh, ran the ball extremely well, especially in the second half, getting Derek Matthews mm -hmm. on the edges. Firth didn't really have an answer for it. Um, the field goal by Derek Matthews was the first of the season. You know, he'd kicked some extra points, but they hadn't attempted a field goal all year. And so what happened was there was, you know, three minutes left in, in the fourth quarter. Declo was facing a fourth down and, and Firth used their final timeout to stop the clock because they didn't want Declo to run the clock down. Well, that allowed Derek Matthews an opportunity to go over to the sideline, take off his cleat and put on the kicking shoe, come back out onto the field. He <laughs> drills this 25-yard field goal, takes the kicking shoe off, puts his cleat back on and gets back out there on defense. That final drive. So Firth's got no timeouts. They're driving down the field. They've got a uh, third and 10 from the 11 yard line of Declo. So they can get to the one without scoring the touch or pick up the first down without scoring the touchdown. Gage Vasquez, the first quarterback gets sacked um, by Rogers of Declo all the way back at the 20 yard line. So it's fourth down. Firth has no timeouts. They can't spike it. It's just a mad scramble drill, like schoolyard ball, hurry up, line up, run a play and Declo 
I, just a blown coverage. I don't know what happened, but Burton Park was left wide open at the one yard line. They lofted it up to the end zone and he caught it. And it, ca- it came down to that one play for Declo, unfortunately. Yeah. And those, and this thing is, those things sting. And, and Declo's going to feel that one for a little while. And I feel bad for those seniors. And that's kind of how that one has to end. Yeah. But uh, De- Declo, I thought, outplayed Firth. I mean, it just came down to that very play at the end. And there was, there was some weird stuff going on in the first half. I'm, I'm sure the Declo fans um, felt like, in terms of some some like you know we don't criticize the the officiating but there was a lot of personal foul penalties that went against Declo where there was no physical it was all things they must have said um and there was just a lot of strange penalties i'm sure the Declo fans feel didn't go their way especially in that first half but it's neither here nor there but yeah you know and well you, if if you look at that two way bracket i mean that's that's a pretty interesting uh, bracket in itself. I mean, you take a look at that top side with West Side, who just demolished Grangeville. You know, I mean that that one was over before it began. I mean, West Side intercepted the first play of the game and then scored on the second play of the game, and that just kind of started the momentum snowball. And uh, West Side picked off five Grangeville passes. Um, you know, so I mean, West Side just rolled like West Side does. Bear Lake, on the other hand, I mean, they're seven and three, but. You look at their three losses. They've lost to Jackson Hole. They've lost to Firth, who's still playing, and they've lost to Westside, who's still playing. So, don't let that seven and three record fool you. Even though they just kind of got by Nampa Christian, fourteen uh, to six, and then on the bottom half, North Fremont is cruising at nine and zero um, and taking on Firth. Um, who has two losses, but you look at who they've lost to. Earth has lost to Westside by six and North Fremont by one. And then if you follow anything over in the East, you know those North Fremont Firth games are just gnarly. And so that one should be a lot of fun. Yeah, so last year, North Fremont beat Firth in the regular season. They met up in the semifinals. It was the weekend where there was a blizzard across the entire eastern part of the state. North Fremont held a 6-0 lead throughout that whole contest until the very end. They fumbled. Taden Jacobson scooped it and took it the other way for a touchdown. Firth won 7-6 in a blizzard to get to the championship. This year, Firth is up three scores, and they blow the lead. North Fremont comes back and beats them by 122-21. So that semifinal, I agree, is going to be fantastic. And that's the other video broadcast that we're going to bring to you this weekend on idahosports.com so video coverage uh for north fremont and firth that'll also be a great game absolutely i i will say i didn't give my official picks for the 3a i like homedale and gooding the top two teams advancing to the title game what do you think scott yeah you know i homedale defensively is just too good and sugar's just gonna have to score a lot of points and i don't think they can um i see I see Homedale advancing, double-digit win. I mean, I'm just going to take it a step further, and I'm going to tell you that uh, Homedale's going to win, double digits, uh, I think 16, 18. And then Gooding is going to have their hands full. I think Gooding at home is going to squeak it out, but it's not going to be easy. And I wouldn't even be surprised if Weezer somehow pulls an upset. But I, I think Gooding buys less than a touchdown. Okay. 2A, I like West Side and Firth. I think I think Firth, this was a last week was a wake-up call for them. They have to play better. And so I like a rematch of the 2A title title game from last year. 
I still think West side pretty heavily favored, but that West side birth game in the regular season was pretty wild. Uh, West side scored uh, with like less than 10 seconds to go to take a, a six point lead. Well, on the ensuing kickoff, Firth returned it for a touchdown as time expired to send the game to overtime. And then in overtime, Westside won 26 to 20. But Right. So if wild. you get a, a Westside Firth championship game, here we go, right? So, yeah. I mean, you look at all of these. I see Westside cruising, um, but I think the game of the weekend in that 2A is going to be that North Fremont Firth. And, and that, to me, is a coin flip. Maybe, I mean, you look at North Fremont, they're at home. It's an afternoon game in Ashton, um, but boy, Firth has got some locker room fodder going on because they let one get away early in the season against North Fremont. So uh, I, I might be watching that one Saturday afternoon. Yeah, every everybody should at, at IdahoSports.com, most definitely. All right, well, we'll tackle the eight-man ranks next because, man, there are a ton of Magic Valley teams still fighting, even though down to the semifinals in both 1A D1 and 1A D2 football. Uh, we'll take a break first, though. We'll hear from our sponsors at the Idaho Division of Public Health, and then we'll come back and break down the eight-man semifinal matchups right after this on IdahoSports.com. It's time to start planning for back to school. That's why I got my kids vaccinated for COVID-19. Kids 12 and older can get vaccinated. The vaccines have been researched and tested. They're safe and they work. And I hope everyone will choose to get vaccinated too. Back on the Magic Valley Prep Cast, IdahoSports.com. Brandon Bainey with Scott Burton as we continue our semifinal previews here. The 1A D1 bracket, uh, Raft River and Oakley both advancing, and neither game in the quarterfinals was particularly close. Raft River defeats Potlatch 63 22. Oakley raced this past Genesee 80 36. Top two teams moving on. Yeah, no surprise. I mean, this one went exactly how you thought, except, you know, maybe that Lapway Prairie game was a little bit of a surprise. But, you know, aside from that, the other three teams advanced like they should and they they dominated like they should. Um, but you know, you can't turn your head on 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 Lapway all of a sudden because you know they're they're the team that really nobody thought was gonna be there. Uh after they what got thumped by Prairie early on in the season and then turn around and thump them in the playoffs. I mean, come on, what's going on there? And the two losses that Lapoy have, Prairie that they avenged and to Oakley. So it's not like they're losing to, you know, shoddy teams. Um, that, that one could be interesting, but Raft River is, that's a tough draw. And Raft River needs to, you know, Raft River needs to play their discipline style of football and uh, tackle and just kind of, play it by the book, and I think they'll handle Lapway. I would say the one common denominator between these four teams that are left, Raft River, Lapway, Oakley, and Butte County, is they all have multiple playmakers capable of making plays. If option A isn't working, options B, C, and D are ready to go. And the teams that they beat in the quarterfinals didn't they, they all had a stud, right? Everybody's got a stud in eight-man football, or maybe even two, but the difference is these final four have you know, three, four, five guys that they can really lean on. So they do, but the, you know, the other thing that they have is they play in incredible defense, you know, and that's what's carried them is they've been able to shut down a lot of these teams that have had um, speed on the offensive end, multiple weapons here and there. Uh, but, but I, I'm telling you, I, I love eight man football and just covering it, watching it. It is a completely different dynamic. I mean, you, you've got eight guys, but six less people on the field playing 
the same size field as everybody else. And if you are not fundamentally sound in eight man football, you get torched and, and it starts with the tackling. And you look at the teams that are left in both the D one and D two ranks. They are pretty dang good tackling teams, you know, because if you get to that second level, you're gone. And if you can't wrap up in the open field and tackle in the open field in eight-man football, you're going to get blitzed week in and week out. And I think really that is the thing that it all boils down to in eight-man. And the teams that are left on both of these D1, D2 are pretty dang good tackling football teams. Yeah, the defense is going to be fun to watch. Uh, some of the offensive stars from last week for Raft River, Tate Whitaker, uh, who's done a great job at quarterback all year, 124 yards, two touchdowns through the air, 214 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. Thane Lockmiller had 124 yards in the touchdown rushing for Raft River as well. For Oakley, Peyton Beck is really uh, on fire right now. He threw four touchdowns, ran for a fifth. Um, Bryce Severe had 135 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. And so um, for, for Oakley, you know, the question is going to be, how do they handle the physicality of Butte County? Butte County is a team that prides themselves on their physicality and their toughness. Oakley is tough too, but they haven't really had a team match their toughness this year, except for Raft River. And that was the one game they lost. So. Yeah. And that's absolutely right. Butte County is going to be as physical as Oakley is going to see, you know, and, and Butte County came with their struggles early on against notice. I mean, they, they really had a hard time getting it going, uh, as notice was shutting down their running game. And this kind of goes to the multi-talented different weapons that Butte County might have too, because, you know, they run the football like just about everybody does in eight man. Uh, but they were shut down early on by notice. And so, you know, Tyler Wanstrom, their quarterback got it going. I mean, he didn't throw a lot, but he threw three first half touchdowns. I think he finished with four. Um, and then the second half, uh, Boone Garrett started the second half of the strip sack, scoop and score, and then that's where it just kind of swung and 22 zip in the second half for Butte County. Um, and I know I, the notice quarterback got hurt, and I might have had something to do with it, but you know Butte's a pretty good, solid football team, and they're one of those teams that even if you do hang around Butte, they're physical enough that uh, head coach Sam Thorngren has got his boys just exacting their toll on you late in the game. And it just wears on their opponents, especially when you have to consider the depth issue in eight man football, because, you know, anybody can start well, play a half well, because these kids are going both ways. You get into that second half and then you get into a second half close game. That depth is, is really going to, to wear on you. And that's something that some of these teams uh, really have going in their favors. They've got bodies on the sideline. Yeah. Lapway and Raft River. Lapway's got the dynamic Titus year out at quarterback. Of course, he's already committed to, to the Idaho Vandals to play basketball. He's yep. a great hoops player, even better quarterback. He had nine touchdowns combined through the air and on the ground in that win over Prairie. I love this. Raft River played potlatch last week in Holt Arena. So they get to host the semifinal game as well. So, so they go to Raft River and say, hey, do you want to be back in Holt Arena against Lapway? No chance. We'll take our chances outside in the elements, and hopefully we can slow them down. That is exactly right, and I think that is a smart play by Raft River because you get up on that turf. I mean, you just you take away any type of physicality advantage that you might have, and you turn it over to the speed. And Lapway and, you know, Titus Yearout, I mean, my goodness. I mean, we talk about video game numbers. I mean, over 500 yards of offense, nine touchdowns he was involved in. You don't want him on a fast surface. 
and you don't want these speedsters and playmakers on fast surfaces. So Raft River's like, you know what? Hey, to heck with that, man. <laughs> We're going to play in our backyard. We don't care what the elements are. I think if we just kind of go mono and mono, we can beat you. But if we give you a fast track, ugh, we don't like that. Yeah. Officially, I'm going Raft River and Oakley. Uh, kind of chalk, but I just think they're the two best teams. And, man, what a rematch that would be is uh, Raft River won the first game in a very close one. Uh, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I can't disagree with you either. I think Rap River uh, at home will stay disciplined, play their game, and not let this playground ball that Lapoy likes to do sometimes uh, dictate tempo. And I think Rap River moves on, and I think Oakley moves on because Oakley's Oakley. You know, they lost the one game to Rap River, but you know they're going to have their hands full with with Butte County. But I, I do see a Rap River Oakley final. Yep. All right. Finally, the 1A D2 ranks where uh, this is again where you were at, Scott, last week. Uh, Carey defeated Mullen St. Regis 60 to 14. This is a this is a case you were just talking about where teams with uh, inferior depth uh, run out of steam. Right. Like I, I feel like for a half, Mullen St. Regis kind of hung with Carey. And then in the second half, they just, they just ran out of gas. Oh, that is exactly what happened. I mean, you from a visual standpoint, you watched this game and you just saw dudes on the sidelines for carry period. You, you look over at Mullen St. Regis uh, and the co-op they have over there. That's allowing them to play. There's three guys maybe, you know, and so they hung and they've got three studs and they're big, you know, uh, Trogdon and ball and ball. Those guys are legit players, but I mean, what you're asking them to do is to go both ways an entire game. And we're talking offense, defense, special teams, and they're not getting any breaks. And then pretty soon that's going to kind of have a toll on you. And it did. And that's really what got St. Regis and Kerry can just platoon people in, in and out. And, and they're so good. And man, do they have a, a running back in Connor Simpson, 305 rushing yards. I mean, that's another day at the office for this kid. Uh, I mean, this kid is, I was kind of, I called the game with Paul and, and uh, he just reminded me, of like a, a no, nah, this is going to be so old school. And Paul, Paul didn't even get it. Uh, Dave Meggett, uh, yeah. old New York Giants, where Chris Berman would go, look at that little Meggett run. Right. Yeah, his 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 center of gravity is just so low that he's just bouncing off of people left and right. And he's so fast that man, you got to stop Connor Simpson uh, if you want to have a chance against Kerry. But a, a couple of things uh, about that that Kerry team, and we're starting to cover them more and more is. You know, um, before the game, you know, Kerry uh, uh, head coach um, brought in his brought in his dad to talk to the team because he's got two grandsons on the team. And uh, and so he did it two years ago uh, to address him, to kind of get him motivated. But now he's got grandsons on it. And he's like, uh, I got to get him in here. And uh, and so he did. And uh, one of the things that they preach over in Kerry uh, is the word love. They, they tell each other they love each other all the time. I mean, if you hang around these guys, hey, love you, bro. Love you. Love you. And th that's what they're doing. And they're preaching them to do this, you know, because they're going into battle every day and you got to love your brothers. And so, I mean, you, you hear about it, but you don't actually see it taught, you know, and it's it's being taught over there, you know, by Carrie. Um and just a couple of other fun stats. Kerry uh, hasn't lost on their home field since early September 2016. I mean, think about that. So if you go to Kerry, 
it might be over before you step off the bus. Um, and then, so as Kerry gets ready to play Dietrich and Holt Arena, uh, the last time they played Dietrich in the Dome, uh, the only time that they played there, they mercy ruled him. And that was back in 2007. So you, what you're getting here from Kerry are all these little locker room bulletin board things to, to put in the head of, of people. Um, it's Kerry's eighth trip to the semis in a row. And uh, they're 52 and three over the last five seasons. I mean, Kerry is a legit eight-man football team that can beat anybody. They are impressive for sure. Lane Kirkland has done a great job with that program. And I, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think it was Lane's father who was the coach before him, right? I think yes. it's been like for the last 40 years that Kirkland yes. has been coaching. Oh, it has. I mean, you can't you can't say Kirkland without thinking Kerry football. And uh, that community there is so supportive. It, it's I mean, it's a really cool experience. And and I, I sound like a, I'm beating a dead horse here. But man, if you have not experienced eight man football a good eight man football, like programs like Kerry and 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 Castleford this year, which we'll talk about and Dietrich. I mean, you, you're missing out because it's, it's pretty exciting and it's a whole lot of fun. Yeah, let's talk about Dietrich. They uh, got past Camas County, uh, a rematch of uh, the two league opponents going at it. Uh, they win that game pretty easily, 46-12. to 12. Cody Power had another nice day running and throwing the football, and it sets up this rematch, Dietrich and Carey. Dietrich, of course, beat Carey in the championship game last year. This year, Dietrich was driving and had a chance to beat Carey in the regular season finale through an interception at the very end, and so Kerry escaped with a two-point win. This is uh, one of the best rivalries going in the eight-man ranks, and it's it's a shame it's a semifinal game instead of a championship, but it's going to be a good game. Yeah, it, it is, and, and, and I think you look at this and you're like, maybe this is the championship game. You don't know, but you, know, you want to look at win-loss records because that's what everybody looks at. And you look at you know Kerry, who's obviously undefeated, but you look at Dietrich, who is seven and three, and you look at, at who they lost to, that, that tells you something because the teams they lost to are still playing. And uh, they lost to Carey by two. Um, you know, we get to the top of the bracket, Carey's and Castleford have tangled. This Dietrich team has got a pedigree. And you cannot look at that seven and three record and think that Carey's going to have their way with them because they are not. Um, this is going to be a really good ball game. And that's going to be a fun one to watch, uh, 1 o'clock Saturday afternoon at Holt. Yep, I will be on the call for that game along with Paul Kingsbury in, inside Holt Arena. So uh, that's going to be a good time. And then I'm on the call for that Oakley game as well. I think Oakley plays nice. right after. So nice. That'll be, that'll be a fun one as well. And then and then we we shift to 11-man football for the third game on Saturday, uh, Pocatello and Skyline, which should also be a great matchup. So. You know what? You went really quickly about that Pocatello skyline game. I was talking to uh, Pocatello coaches and uh, you, you called last week's game, didn't you? With Bishop yep. Kelly. Um, you know, it was obviously a revenge game for Pocatello because BK ended their season last year, but uh, you know, was talking to, you know, the coaching staff and it was the strangest week they they'd ever had um, at Pocatello prior to, to that game with Bishop Kelly, because uh, just like everybody else, they're nursing some injuries, but they had a flu bug go through a bunch of their kids. And by Wednesday they were missing 12 players. And so they're thinking, Holy crap, what are we going to do here? 
Um, and so they never had a full team at all to practice during that week to get ready for Bishop Kelly. Uh, and then uh, they had their all-state linebacker, Hunter Killian, get rushed to the hospital. I don't know if you heard about that or not. Mm-hmm. But uh, he got the night before uh, with anaphylactic shock. And so they're thinking, we're not going to have this kid uh, very much at all. But then he, he said that he's one of the toughest kids they know, showed up to the game, and then kicked everybody's butt and let him in tackles with 14 tackles for the game. But, you know, leading up to that game for Pocatello, who is, I think they're my bet to win it. Uh, I just think they're playing so well right now. But but uh, I think that just kind of needed to be mentioned, the adversity that they went through on that uh, revenge game they had with Bishop Kelly. Yeah, that was uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. They got down 14 nothing early, and you thought, oh, boy, here we go again. Uh, but they they – answered the call and and really turned BK into a one-dimensional team in the second half and and got the win. So it was really nice to see for Pocatello. I agree. They are, they are on fire right now. Skyline has started very slow in each of their first two playoff games. Mm-hmm. And if they, if they start slow again, they're going to get run out of the building. I don't think it'll be close. So. I, you know, I, I agree with that skyline. They took the opening kickoff against Valley view and went down and had four chances to score inside the five and missed out on all of them. And they're like, Holy crap. You know, this isn't, here we go. And Valley View took the lead. Skyline came back. And then anyway, uh, Skyline ended up winning that. But uh, this will be the fourth game for Skyline in the Dome. Uh, so so they're, they understand the elements and they know the environment. Uh, they played both their playoff games. Early season against Rigby was in the Dome. Um, and then kind of a little fun fact that Skyline coach Scott Burgett was a member of the 1981 National Championship team at Idaho State. So, you know, he's that whole arena has got a lot of memories for him, both as a player and now as a coach. Yeah, it was an interesting homecoming for Valley View coach uh, Lane Coffin last week as well because he was the first head coach in Century High School history when Century first opened in 2000 and led the Diamondbacks to two state titles. And I believe one of them was in Holt Arena. So it was kind of a homecoming for him as well. Uh, it was interesting to see all of that play out in the 4A ranks. So uh, let's get back to the eight-man just real quick to wrap up with Castle Ford. And they continue to march on, right? They have the big win over Rockland, 58 to 8. Now they got to travel, though. This is really their first big road trip. They got to go up north to the Kibbe Dome in Moscow to play Kendrick. Kendrick is the one wild card, right? Because Kerry, Dietrich, and Castleford all played in the same league. So we, we kind of know the pecking order there. Kendrick is the one wild card. Oh, I think we lost Scott. He froze up. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I will tell you that uh, that Castle Ford is going to be in for an interesting game. If we look at the bracket again, you know, Kendrick uh, lost twice this year, once to Oakley, which is, you know, still playing in the 181 ranks. Uh, and then they also uh, lost the second time to Genesee by two points, which is also a D1 school. And they also, um, you know, were deep into the playoffs. They lost in the quarterfinal round last week. I do. Uh, this is going to be tough for Castle Ford. My official on the record pick for the 1A D2 championship is Kerry and Kendrick. Now I could easily see it going the either the other way, Dietrich and Castleford, or any combination. Any of the four teams playing for the championship wouldn't surprise me, but my gut just tells me Kerry and Kendrick are battle tested, and for Castleford traveling 
to Moscow is the difference to me. If this were played closer to Castle Ford, I would probably lean Castle Ford, but it's kind of a cop out, but <laughs> that's all right. Okay, well, we lost Scott for the tail end of the uh, the prep cast, but that's all right. Uh, we're pretty much finished up anyways. So, oh, here he comes. Let's see if we can bring him back in. Scott, we lost you. Oh, I think that uh, stinking cat may have chewed through the internet cables. I'm not real sure. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to do a welfare check next week. Make sure oh, this- well, yeah, you might because they're just <laughs> – this, this place may be trashed by then. Oh, my God. Just kibbles and bits everywhere. I don't know. Yeah. All well, right. Let's really leave off. Yeah. So, so Castle Ford, I just wanted to talk about oh, yeah. them super quick. Uh, they, they, I mean, we, we look at this final four and Carey, Castle Ford, Dietrich all played in the same league. So we kind of know the pecking order there. Kendrick is kind of the one wild card in this whole thing, right? Uh, Kendrick is. I mean, Kendrick is, is not a not a bad team, but they're not the ones being talked about, you know, uh, they can score a whole lot of points if, if they, if you let them, but what they're going to run into is they're going to run into some defenses. Uh, and, and, and I think that's the one thing that Castle Ford Carey, and Dietrich all have is they've got speed on the defense bend. I mean, Kendrick, you know, the, in their game against horseshoe bend, I mean, they saw, they rolled 48 to eight uh, scored on their I mean, real quickly, I think it was like their first possession watch. Yeah, four plays, they were in the end zone. Um, and so they they never really were challenged. But the the key for them is Castleport's just a little bit bigger than Kendrick, and they're going to have to tackle. It goes right back to what we said before. If, if they're not going to be able to tackle guys like Eric Taylor, then it's going to be a long, long night for Kendrick or a long afternoon uh, Saturday. Yeah, so – but uh, Castleford rolling against Rockland. I mean, this has been kind of one of the feel-good stories all year with Castleford. Uh, and and it, it all goes with Eric Taylor. You know, uh, Taylor was huge. 205-yard passing, three touchdowns, seven carries, 92 yards, and a couple of scores there, and 11 tackles on defense with a sack. I mean, this kid is all over the place. And Kendrick's going to have to find a way to neutralize him because if you don't, he's the kind of guy that just makes everybody around him better. You shut him down. Okay, maybe you can hang around just a little bit longer, but so far not many been able to do it. Yeah, it's been tough. So when we lost you for a second, I I gave my official on the record picks. I like Carey and I do like Kendrick. I think Kendrick playing close to home uh, will give them a little bit of an advantage. And I really do think their speed, it's going to be fascinating to see how their speed matches up with Castle Fords. I could see any of the four winning, kind of like the 3A ranks, but uh, mm-hmm. officially I will go with Kerry and Kendrick in the title match. What say you? What say me? I, You know what? I have to go with Kerry on the bottom half. Um, and I think that, I, I, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if any of these teams advance. Um, at all, but I do think I'm going to give a slight edge to carry on the bottom in a, in a close game. It's going to be a one score game again. And then, you know, I am going to go with Castleford at the top. I think they're going to make the trip up there. They're going to play well in the Kibbe dome. And, and, and I see this thing, I see this thing being a pretty high scoring ball game. Uh, Cause if something tells me Kendrick and Castleford um, are going to, are going to score in the thirties, 40s maybe and so i'm going to see castle ford and carry in the final 
we have the potential for two eight-man title matches between Ma- all Magic Valley com- competition, right? Rat River Oakley, Kerry yeah. Castleford, Dietrich Castleford. There's a lot of combinations, and it just uh, reaffirms that there was a lot of good football teams in District 4 this year. Oh, there are. And it's the, the eight man game down here is is legit and, and they don't get talked about enough in kind of the, the normal common circles. I mean, it's all about the bigger schools, um, the four A's and the three A's and, you know, the twins, the Minicos, the Goodings, the you know, but man, there are some pretty dang good football players down at these lower ranks and they are fun to watch. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. All of the semifinal games will be covered in person on idahosports.com. We will have uh, commentators and uh, video coverage for two of the games, audio coverage for the rest uh, at every single semifinal matchup. If you want to see the full schedule, uh, just click on the game streams tab on the homepage at idahosports.com. All right, Scott. So you're going to be in Gooding Friday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to, we're going to tune in and watch that one. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. Make sure you tune in seven o'clock kickoff from Gooding. Um, I'll be on the play-by-play. Paul will be on the color. And so it uh, it's either going to go really well or it's going to go off the rails very quickly for us. <laughs> There's no middle ground ever, is there? No, there, there really isn't. We get together and it's either comedy hour um, or it's a really good broadcast. One of the two. I mean, we, we got together and called the 4A State Baseball Tournament last year and we had a two-hour rain delay. And we, we looked at each other and went, we can fill it. And I'll be danged if we didn't. We sat there for two hours and just put on a show, entertained everybody, uh, having call-ins. Uh, we were just going for it, and it was so much fun. So every moment has that potential. That's right. It's never a dull broadcast with Scott Burton, so you, you want to tune in just for that factor alone, right? Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in to the Magic Valley Prep Cast brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health. Enjoy the games this weekend, everybody. And we'll see you back here next week for championship uh, previews. Uh, at, le- at least one Magic Valley team is going to be playing for a championship. I feel good saying that because Kerry and Dietrich play each other, right? That's me having my best. <laughs> Thank you. I think you got a safe bet there. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. We'll see you next time. For Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey. Thanks for tuning in on IdahoSports.com.